Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in San Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Avery Carpenter Foray is the author of Social Engagement, a novel. Avery is a writer and editor whose work has appeared in The Cut, GQ, and elsewhere. As managing editor at The Skim, she co-wrote the number one New York Times bestseller, How to Skim Your Life. She holds an MFA in fiction from NYU and lives in Connecticut with her husband and daughter. Welcome, Avery. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss social engagement, a novel. Thank you so much for having me, Zibby. I'm so excited to be here. Your cover is like my favorite color, blue. So I'll just, you know, sleep with the sky, you know, next to my bed forever. <laughs> like, you know, something blue, which I love for wedding season. Yes, so perfect. Bring it with you if you have any on your calendar this summer or just put in your beach bag. Yes, exactly. That's very smart. Okay. Tell listeners what your book is about, please. 
So social engagement is about a bride whose marriage implodes on the night of her wedding. And after this disastrous breakup, you don't know what happened in the fight, but we find her in the honeymoon suite with an empty pizza box, stained dress, and she's scrolling through her phone to try to figure out what went wrong. And she looks through her Instagram feed and her camera roll to piece together what happened. And, you know, there are fraught female friendships. There are some class dynamics. There are toxic ex-boyfriends. There's a lot to chew on. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and I love how you structure it with, at the beginning of each chapter, you have like a little something, either a photo or a post or like something interesting that makes you want to dive right in, which is very clever. Yes. I, I liked using those as anchors because we do sort of use them as touch points in our lives. I mean, we're living so much online now, as we both know. So it was yeah. fun to structure it that way. And it's so clever too, your title, Social Engagement. Because yes, of course, it's like an event, as is the wedding and all that, but social engagement still with like social media, like it's a dual dual meaning, which I also love, which is great. Yes, the double (laughs) entendre, which is really fun. I loved that play. And that title came into play. I'm always fascinated by title journeys. It came in later on in the process. Um, My editor, after acquiring the book, came up with it. And I I hadn't come up with the perfect title. And the second she said that, I was like, absolute, that's it. That's done. Yes. What was yours? Did you have a working title or? Yes, I had. It was Human Content, which was a play on some of the body themes in the book. And obviously social media content, which I liked. It was more of the sort of normal people, Sally Rooney-esque take, I think. But it wasn't as clear what the book was about. And social engagement, you kind of know, okay, this is weddings and social media, which is what the book is. Perfect. How did you come up with the idea for this book? So I was going to a lot of weddings when I started writing it. It was 2019 and I had gotten married in late 2017. And I was sort of just in the stage of life where a lot of my friends were getting married, going to a ton of weddings. And I started noticing a lot of trends and sort of the the irony that the most unique day of your life or one of the most special days in your life is often reduced to these series of cliches and flattened online when you're not the one who's part of it. And I wanted to explore that, but... Then I started writing the book and weddings grinded to a halt in 2020. So I wasn't going to any weddings anymore. So then it sort of shifted to become an escapist exercise. And I could go to parties in fiction while my real life was sweatpants and, you know, Zoom birthday parties and not that. So it got a lot darker, I think, because of the pandemic. I originally conceived of it as a fun, frothy wedding romp. And there are a lot of deeper, darker themes in it now. Interesting. What did all your friends do who were going to get married, but then the pandemic happened? I'm not in that phase of life where that was. Yes. A variety of things. Most of them postponed it. My sister was engaged at the time, actually, and she postponed it, then got married in late 2021. But even still, it was, you know, you never knew whether you were going to have to put it off. And then I had a few Zoom weddings that were just family And a bunch of people tuned in for the wedding itself. The comment section on the Zoom was always fascinating. I was like, (laughs) I kind of wish that real life weddings could have that. Like, I mean, that's the one thing about Zoom weddings that was really fun. You got to see people's reactions in real time when in real life you can't talk during the ceremony, obviously. But true. The good thing, too, about Zoom for any type of events is like, then you got to see my cousin actually got married on Zoom now that I'm thinking about it. But like you could see her face. Like sometimes when you're sitting in the back row, you don't even know what's going on and you're like straining to see. And totally. It's like watching a concert on the Jumbotron. You yes. Kind of watch that instead of actually watching the person. Yeah. 
Maybe this is a new thing. Maybe now all weddings should have sort of the screens up, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Extra screens, like big uh, screens behind. I know. I mean, there are tiny little screens anyways at every wedding. I mean, I don't know if you've been to any that say no social media. That's becoming a thing now. Like some people don't want any pictures because then you get the professional pictures back and there are a million cameras everywhere. Mm. But it's also nice to have those iPhone takes, I think, to see. When I got married to Kyle, who's my second husband, I, I said no social media to everybody who came because I wasn't even on social media then. This is only six years oh, ago. Fascinating. <laughs> oh my God. Maybe I had one account I was using for my business that I did with his family for Nini Streets. But anyway, we made like a special app where people could upload so that it was all in one place. Oh, that's really cool. We didn't develop the app. It was something like some service. And we just said, if you want to take pictures, upload them after here. And it was like one giant album, almost like a shared. I love that. Wait, that's really smart. I like that a lot because there is, I mean, one of my, if people ever ask me, like if someone's getting married and they're like, what do you wish you did differently on your wedding night? Or what, what was your best piece of advice for wedding night? And I'm always like, don't look at your phone all night. Like just keep your phone, put it in a lockbox, put it somewhere else and come back to it later. But you don't want to be thinking about that when you're in the moment. And I, I like the share album thing. That's Yeah, that's- it was good. Wait, tell me about your wedding. So my wedding was a winter wedding. We got married in December, 2017. And it was very, I mean, it's interesting. I feel like in writing this book, oftentimes you think, you know, in some ways a critique of wedding culture and it pokes fun at wedding culture, but I'm very much part of that. Like I had a big traditional wedding. It was, you know, 300 people at my parents' house. It felt like a holiday party almost. It was in December. It was amazing. Um, I was just looking at pictures of it recently because it feels like a million years ago now that I've had a baby, but (laughs) you know, that sort of warps time in an interesting way. But yeah, there was a, um, I actually heard Curtis Sittenfeld, who I know you've talked to, use this quote from Saul Bellow when she was talking about what makes her tick when she's writing. And it was, I'm not an ornithologist, I'm a bird, which reflected like she is always within the culture that she's critiquing, which is how I feel. Like it's almost an insider-outsider dynamic. Interesting. Oh, I like that a lot. That's really cool. Well, speaking of other writers you admire and, you know, the writing world itself, like how did you even become a writer? So I always wanted to tell stories, but I actually, when I was much younger, I wanted to be an actress. And that's something that there is a lot of crossover there, interestingly. Joan Didion's talked about that, about how it's like a it's inhabiting a character, right? Uh-huh. Like you, you want to sink into a character. So I, then that shifted when I was in high school. I grew up in Connecticut and I live there now. I live about 20 minutes from where I grew up and which that's a whole other podcast. We could <laughs> I live, I live like a couple blocks from where I grew up. So, you know, I, yeah, I under, I could talk about that too. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, keep yeah, going. There's something, there's something really special about it, but there's also, I had resistance to it as well. But I think from a, you know, a storytelling perspective, you're like, oh, it's all, it all comes back. It all comes back to where you started. But anyways, I always wanted to tell stories and I thought, actress. Then I thought I wanted to do journalism and I started doing nonfiction writing and I worked in media for years. So I worked in television production at Katie Kirk's talk show. And then I worked at the skim for years. And when I was working at the skim, 
I, uh, writing fiction was always in the back of my head. It was always something I wanted to do, but it seemed really improbable. It seemed really difficult to pull off. And when I was at The Skim, I worked on a nonfiction book for them um, called How to Skim Your Life. And that sort of gave me the confidence to know that I could get to the end of something. And so while I was actually working on that book, I started writing fiction and I went to NYU's MFA program. And I know you've talked about how ghostwriting helped you get the confidence to write a book. And I feel very much the same way. Oh, thank you for knowing anything about me. <laughs> but yes, I felt the same way. And it was really interesting to do, you know, because again, it's writing in someone's voice. It's yes. just an interesting exercise and, um, you know, figuring out and organizing and you know, I think that's really fun. Like I could do that. Yeah. And writing in someone's voice is what it, writing a character is as well. Yes, right. Exactly. Especially this book, social engagement is first person, very voicey. So I was inhabiting a character. It wasn't the skim's voice, but it was a, a voice. Yeah. yeah. And social engagement talks a lot about obviously social media and, and the capturing life and how we interpret what we capture and the pros and cons of all of that. So what's your general take on social media in general? I know it's a big question, but (laughs) you must've thought a lot about it to write the book and even in all of your interviews and all of that. So go from there. Yes. I, social media is both fascinating and upsetting to me. I, (laughs) there's something, sometimes I feel like I've heard it be compared to a slot machine. You're constantly trying to look for that dopamine hit when you're on it, of course, but there's also sort of a darker impulse that you're looking for something that's going to make you log off and put the phone away. Like you're looking for that post that's going to trigger you or make you upset. But in general, I, I find that it's often a mirror for how I'm doing myself. Like when I'm doing well mentally, I'm much better on social media and I'm much more willing to have fun with it and contribute. And I'm not upset by things I see. I think what I really wanted to explore in the book, though, is how social media and our phones in general are a reflection of our past and how we have our entire archive, our entire history in our pockets. And that can be both liberating because you don't have to remember everything, but it can also drag you back into that past. And that's what I wanted to explore with Callie. Well, I have to say, I the timing of life and development of things and all of that, like social media for me came after I had already made all these, I had gotten to the final stage, I mean, knock wood, of like marriage. <laughs> like now I share all the time. If I were going through something yeah. big, like a divorce or I don't know, something hard or a loss or whatever, and dating even, I'm like, thank God. Thank God. Yes. Oh my God. Do you keep your ex up there? Do you take him down? Like, well, and then it's also not really up to you. Yes, the Instagram is up to you and you can curate that. But the camera roll, I get fed pictures from five years ago all the time on my camera roll app. Yes. On iPhoto. And that's not, I mean, there is actually a setting that I found recently that you can say, I don't want to see this person anymore. Oh, no way. But yeah, I agree. I came so when social media really blew up in my life right after I graduated college is when Instagram started becoming a thing. So I did miss out, which I'm grateful for, on like being in high school and college and having that constant sort of comparison trap. But I still feel like most of my 20s, I was you know, seeing my life reflected back at me and seeing my past kind of be dredged up constantly. Yeah, it's true. It's like, you can't get away. Yeah. And after this, you're going to have to tell me how to do that because my kids have somehow changed my home screen of my phone to like have a new random picture pop up every time I pick it up. And I, yeah, I don't know. It's not even pictures (laughs) they picked. It's just like, it's, I'm, I'm on some sort of shuffle 
I mean, look at this picture of, it's like, I haven't Wait, seen this picture. Is, in, is that, is that one of your kids? It was one of my kids in a picture. I don't even remember from like a hundred years ago that just popped up out of nowhere. That's like, it's like the old iPods. It's like an iPod shuffle that you don't yeah. have any. Yeah. So I think that's kind of fun though, but maybe it's a little jarring. You're like, oh, it's what's fine that? when the kids pop up, but not when other people pop up. <laughs> or like, like a selfie that you forgot you took. Right? Or like yeah. just, you know, people from the past who are suddenly like my screensaver. I'm like, you guys, <laughs> <laughs> it's not like it's, anyway, whatever. That is hilarious. Yeah. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help. And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. So I know I met you through Deborah Royce at yes. her event for Reef Road in Connecticut and all that. How how did you hook up with her? And have you worked with other sort of mentors in the writing space who have been influential in your journey, so to speak? Yeah. yeah. So I met her at the Ocean House, which is where I am doing an event there this summer, which I'm so yes. excited for. So I, my friend Carol Lovering did an event there and Deborah interviewed her and we had dinner drinks afterwards and found out we live very close to each other. So I've seen her since I found and you and you set it in Watch Hill. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. In Watch Hill partially. I can't believe I didn't say that. But um, yes, yeah, so that I'm that event's gonna be so special because the book opens in Watch yeah, Hill. It, yeah. And there are scenes in Watch Hill. And yeah, I I find that I found that writing is the thing that I miss the most with focusing on writing is having coworkers and mm -hmm. having that sort of social outlet. 
And you lucky enough get both with Zippy Books <laughs> and your writing. But I find that I miss that. And I found that my author friends and authors that I've met, whether they're mentors, people who have been in the business for a long time, or other authors who are just starting out, have been a huge lifeline for me. It's no one understands what you're going through like someone else who is writing books. And that's been really nice. And while they're not my official coworkers, I do make a real effort, whether through social media or just through, you know, meeting one author and then they introduce you to another and going to as many book events as I can and just, you know, meeting people to give me that social outlet because it's an introverted business writing and I'm an extrovert by nature. So I need that. Yeah. Interesting. We actually have a book coming out next year, next April, called The Wedding Issue from Zibby oh. Books. So maybe I want to give you it to you to read or something. Maybe you could, I don't know. No, I don't mean to ask you a favor, but... I would love that. I would love to read An it. event together or blur. Yes. I don't know, something. I think you guys would get along anyway, just to meet. I awesome. love that. What is it about? Like one woman's wedding or multiple weddings? It's actually about the wedding issue of a magazine and a contest for who will get the cover. Love that. But of course, it involves weddings. Love that. I love books that are set at magazines, like Devil Wears Prada, the classic. Yes. And then I'm reading Homebodies right now by Tembi Denton. Yes, yes. Really great. I just, I love the media magazine space for fiction. It's really fun. Yeah. It's true. I know. I was actually saying in our marketing meeting, I was like, could we get like a reunion tour here going on like all the past executives who used to work in magazines who are like really cool and now displaced, <laughs> you know, like, like where'd you go? That's <laughs> so people. true. Oh my gosh. Well, I know. I mean, Tina Brown is now like, she's a huge force of nature, but I listened to her narrate the palace papers yeah. um, while I was on a trip in London. And that is highly recommend if you need an audiobook. It's the best. Did you record the audiobook for this or did you have a narrator for social media? I had a narrator, which I was torn on, like, you know, throwing my hat in the ring for that. But ultimately I decided, I think it makes a lot of sense if it's a memoir to have the author read it, but I can't even listen to my own voice on a voicemail without cringing. I'm like, I don't think that I could, I don't think that I could read an entire book, let alone I'm sure I'd find typos and get upset. So I didn't want to go there. <laughs> things I'd want to change, you know, we're never fully finished with our books. So we just need to let them go. That's true. That's true. Kind of like our kids. Yes. <laughs> how has um, being a mom changed like your view of writing or the world or how are you even like finding the time you need and dealing with all of that? Yeah, I think it's been so I sort of I think of them in tandem so much because I sold the book right after I found out I was pregnant. It was a, about a week after. So I kind of, you know, have really been on this and, you know, book baby metaphors are all over the place in publishing. They're ubiquitous, but I do find, I, and I was nervous about going on, you know, launching this book with a five month old, but I found that it sort of takes the pressure off of both endeavors, if that makes sense. So I do find that when I get really stressed out or in my head about something related to the book, I can look at this giggling baby and she doesn't Aww. care that I wrote a book. You know, she has no idea. And it's nice to sort of, you know, switch back and forth in those roles and have them remove the pressure from both. When I was ghostwriting, actually, my that book, Your Perfect Fit, forever ago, I had to finish it with those authors by the time I gave birth. I was pregnant and on bed rest the whole time I was writing it. So I'm like, we have to finish. <laughs> like there's no, and then I handed it in and had the, and that was now they're turning 16. It's so crazy. So, wow. But that's yeah. so nice to have that sort of deadline in mind. I do think for the next book, I'm like, okay, I want to finish a draft before I try to have another baby. Like that's yep. in my head. And that, you know, you make plans and 
the universe laughs. Obviously. Right, right, right. So it might, yeah. might not work out that way, but I do think it's nice when you're in the trenches in these years, babies do sort of provide a natural nine-month deadline, I guess. Yes, yes. Tell me about your next book. What are you thinking? Yeah, so I am working on something that I'm really excited about. It's very early days, but it's different. It's sort of, I guess what I'll say about it is it's the characters from social engagement. It's as if you put them in their late 30s, early 40s, and they're dealing with children and that messiness. And it's multi-POV, kind of like there's a bit of Big Little Lies energy. I don't know, but it's set in Fairfield County. So yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with it, but I haven't been able to sink in as much as I've wanted to recently. But I got a good, you know, the good first third of it done before I had the baby. So I'm hoping that momentum will come back after a (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And how did you, did you finish your blank? Oh my gosh, you're so good. In fact, I have to finish the last edits by tomorrow. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for talking to me. No, no, it's fine. I think they're really minor. They're like totally minor, but then it goes to copy edits next week. So yeah, it's coming out in March. I know. I can't believe it. I'm like... Oh my gosh, it's coming out in March. Wow. Coming out in March. Isn't it interesting, the publishing timelines, like when I tell people who aren't in this industry, like after I sold the book, I'm like, oh, it's coming out in a year. People are like, that's so far away. And I'm like, no, for publishing, that's actually very fast. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I know. All of a sudden I'm like, March, gosh, gotta like get on this. You know, I've already missed (laughs) some things. You know. I can't wait to read it. It sounds so good. You at the at the refroad event, the premise is just like, oh, so good. Thank you. I I mean, you know, it's as my mother says, it's not winning any awards or anything, but it's very entertaining. (laughs) Aren't our family members just there to like put us in our place always? She's like, but it's you know, it's fun. Like, okay, thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Which is exactly what I want to read right now. That's that's all I want to read is fun books. So yeah. I mean, you need a mix. Everybody needs a mix. You yes, know, for sure. Can't, we can't all write, you know, National Book Award yeah. winning, <laughs> you know, literary masterpieces, or I certainly can't. So, no, me uh, neither. I'm just, I'm just happy to be writing and to be entertaining, is what I want. Yeah. To but people want to be entertained. Yes. Like yes. us. So, what are you reading that's entertained you lately? So, I just finished reading um, Marrying the Ketchups by Jennifer Close. Oh, I'm yeah, reading- yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm doing an event with her in D.C., and I had read Girls in White Dresses while I was writing this book, so I was so excited that she blurred my book and we're doing an event together, but this book, Marrying the Ketchups, is so much fun, and it's like a real family saga that's like, there's just so much to sink your teeth into with all these dueling family members and a lot about the 2016 election, which is, you know, we all still have PTSD, I think, but it... it plays with that in a really smart, fun way. And what else am I reading? Oh, Homebodies, which I mentioned. And yeah, I always have, I don't know, do you read on an e-read? Do you read on a Kindle or all physical? Oh, physical. I do probably 70% physical. And then I got a Kindle for breastfeeding, which I'm, I just finished breastfeeding. But when I was breastfeeding, I was because you can't really turn a book. You can't turn the pages that easily. I would prop I would prop a book up on like the pump in the middle of the night or something. <laughs> I oh to my gosh. Yeah. That's so amazing. I would like hold and prop. I don't even want to talk about it. It's like a nightmare even to think about. <laughs> For my younger kids, at least. That's what I my you, you have like a headlamp on or something? <laughs> I, was like, I had like a little station in the bathroom. So I didn't like wake my husband. Anyway, ridiculous. That is so funny. Yeah. <laughs> but I should have had that. Yes. But as, I mean, I think that there's so much. I always, my stack of books just keeps growing. I can't imagine like how many books you are drowning in. 
It's, yeah. but it's the best, right? It's why we do it this. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Advice for aspiring authors. So I think my biggest piece of advice would be to mind the gap. And what I mean by that is the gap between your taste and your abilities when you start out. And Ira Glass has talked about this a lot. And I find it, I've always found it fascinating because I think that the reason we get into writing is because most, for most people at least, you love reading and you probably have good taste and preferences if you love reading. And I think there can be a disconnect when you're reading so many amazing books and you don't feel like you can produce that same caliber of work. But that's what it is to start something. And that's what it is to begin. So the more you practice, the better you'll get. And that love of reading will make you a better writer, ultimately. That's great advice. On your tour, what events are coming up that you're really excited about? Like, what should people know about? I actually, I don't know when this is coming out, but what are you yeah. excited about in general? <laughs> and I'm, you know, I know you're doing Jennifer Ketchup. What else? Yes, yeah. So I'm doing... One in Old Greenwich at Athena Books. That's the launch oh, night. I love Athena Books. It's I love that bookstore so much. And we're doing a pre-order camp, a signed pre-order campaign. And I'm just very excited about doing things with them. And then I'm doing one at Powerhouse in Dumbo the next night in the city. And then I have sort of a smattering events through June and July, smattering of events. I'm doing DC, Dallas, um, Watch Hill is one that we talked about that I'm yes, so yes. excited in July. And I'm doing one in Atlanta at Wheezy Towels. My friend founded that company. And so we're doing a sort of beach towel, beach read collaboration. That's really fun. Yeah. So, and I also love working with book clubs. So if anyone listening has a book club and they want to pick social engagement, I'd love to zoom in or talk to readers. Very smart. Love it. Congratulations. I'm really excited for you and I'll be following along. (laughs) Thank you so much and have a great rest of the summer. And I hope to run into you soon. You too. you. You too. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.